getting better all the time There's nothing you and I won't do I'll stop the world and melt with you Dream of better lives, the kind which never hate Trapped in a state of imaginary grace I made a pilgrimage to save this human race Never comprehending the race at Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we are talking to Robbie Gray, frontman for Modern English. As pretty much everyone knows, Modern English are the band behind one of the biggest and most enduring one-hit wonders, I guess you could say, of all time. This song right here, I Melt With You. I don't know if you guys know this, this wasn't actually that big of a hit back in the day. But yet, it's just never died. It continue, It's evergreen. It continues to be used and uh, gener- and embraced generation after generation. And Robbie and I talk about kind of the spoils of that sort of success because it's really the biggest hit they've had. They've put out other singles, other albums over the years, had some success, but this one has really overridden everything. I really wanted to talk with Robbie, not just about the success of Melt With You, but about the other music they've created. There's so much more to Modern English than just this one song. Uh, The guys are about to embark. In fact, this week, a tour begins uh, with The Alarm, Modern English, and Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel. If you're listening to this on post day, I believe it kicks off the very next day. So uh, hopefully check out any of the websites to any of these bands and see if the the tour is passing through your town. It's coming to Denver in in August. I'm going to be sure and go. So anyway, I love this conversation. It's a fun one because the first half is really music focused and the second half is really just more about getting to know Robbie, his interests. We talk about football, well, soccer. We talk about food that he likes. We talk about where he lives, all that kind of stuff. It's a really enjoyable conversation. I hope you'll enjoy it and I hope you'll enjoy learning more about Modern English if Melt With You is all you know, okay? He called me from his home in Suffolk County, England. Well, Robbie, first and foremost, I got to tell you, I um, I saw I've seen you in concert a couple of times, and the first time was a was something I'll never forget, and it, it, it's a, it was a little sad. It was in the I think it was around 1999 or 2000, and it was in Salt Lake City, Utah, at this club called the Zephyr Club, which was a great place to see a show, but it, it's not there any longer. Bands like you didn't come through Salt Lake City very often. And that's where I lived. And so I was making sure I saw everybody I loved as they came through town. And uh, you guys did such a good show, but there were only about 30 people there. And it kind of broke my heart. And I even remember you guys, I think you were setting up or taking down your own stuff and everything. And I just thought, man, I, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed because I want them to know that they're loved when they come through town. I don't, maybe that was just that era of your career. And I hope, I, I hope it's okay that I'm starting out on kind of a sad note, but I love that show. And it has always bummed me out that there weren't more people there to support modern English at that concert. Well, that's very kind of you to say so, but I think that was, that wasn't the original band around that time. That, that yeah. would have been modern English too. I like to call it, mm-hmm. which was some friends and, and, and me, as the front man being the only original member. I do, you know, I did quite a lot of touring around those years, but 
I was the only original member back then. Yeah, I mean, 30 people. We we do play to small audiences sometimes, and sometimes we play to really big audiences. You know, really sort of changes. It's changed over the years quite yeah. drastically, really. I mean, again, for some reason, we seem to have become fashionable again, you know, mm. modern English. And it is the original band now versus yeah. that, that band that you saw back then. Yeah. I uh, I saw you again just a couple of years ago here in Denver, as part of the Retro Futura, I think it was called, tour. Yeah, a few and, more people at that one. Oh, <laughs> that one was great. And you guys yeah. sounded so good. And uh, you had, you know, you're wearing the white white suits, everybody. Oh, yeah, we did that. We did that to stick out, yeah. Yeah. I thought you guys were a real, like, one of the highlights of that tour. There was the English beat. There was Howard Jones. There was uh, Katrina from Katrina and the Waves. Yeah. Paul yeah. Young, but you guys were killing it. It was so good. Yeah, we really enjoyed those tours. Actually, they were they weren't very hard work because the sets were so short. Yeah. So you kind of did about twenty minutes, something like that. Yeah. And I remember doing those gigs in the white suits. We did that just to stand out, really. <laughs> I think we we were a band. We were one of the few bands on on that stage that actually was were all the same band members from mm -hmm. the same group. Right. I think a few of the bands shared different musicians. That might be one of the main reasons that we stuck out so much. They sure did. Yeah. Yeah, that's that ha I go to a lot of those 80s retro tours cuz they're so much fun and yeah, there's a lot of similar, you know, there there's a lot of uh, recorded tracks. There's a lot of the same guy playing guitar for every band or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Okay, I know you're going on tour here very soon with The Alarm and Gene Loves Jezebel, and I want to ask you about that in a minute, but I, I ha let's kick it off with, I'm afraid, the uh, question you've probably get, gotten asked most in your whole career. Tell us about the recording, the writing and the creation of the recording of Melt With You. There's a reason I'm asking that is because I want to establish it and then go deeper into the rest of your career. But um, can you tell us at least that story? And I'm, I'm sorry if you've had to tell that story a million <laughs> times. Uh, well, I don't mind telling the story because it is quite a good one. Good. I mean, basically, the the music the musical side of it we would you know we would originally have done an album like mesh and lace which was mm -hmm. very noisy mm -hmm. uh, angular sort of sounding album and then we moved on to after the snow and with after the snow you know we got a producer really for the first time hugh jones mm -hmm. and he had a lot to do with the organization of the after the snow album really i mean he helped us you know change what we called bits of music because we didn't really understand verses and choruses back then. He he kind of introduced first chorus, first chorus, middle eight, mm. you know, choruses out to us. We'd never done that before. And, and I Melt With You was one of the first songs to get the treatment from the producer. So he took what we considered to be small little parts of music and he kind of threaded them together, made a tapestry out of them. Mm. And we ended up with with the kind of tune of... I melt with you. The lyrics is slightly different. I mean, I do the lyrics. The lyrics I remember writing really quickly, just sitting on the floor with a scrap of paper and a pen and writing those words really fast. It just all came out really quickly. Wow. And I was really pleased when I looked back at it because I was looking at it like poetry, I suppose. And it comes across like that. If you took those words out of, of that song, you know, it is like a bit of poetry, really. Mm -hmm. But... Mm -hmm. The overall thing was, was a lot to do with the producer, Hugh Jones, because uh, he really helped a lot with that. I mean, for instance, when I did the vocals, he said to me, you don't need to shout, mm -hmm. just talk into the microphone. 
And I'd never done that before, so I, I did it. And you get that kind of quirky feel on the verses of I Melt With You where mm -hmm. they do sound almost spoken. It's because that's that's exactly what I'm doing. Again, that was to do with the producer, Hugh Jones. He, mm -hmm. he helped us relax a lot on that album rather than try and make so much noise to put your to put your point across he, yeah. he showed us how not to do that really to mellow sounds but still able to put your point across yeah that was the that was one of the reasons why i wanted to kick this off asking about that song in particular because when i go back and i listen to mesh and lace there as you're right you're right it's it's kind of that post-punk angular noise that people and i don't mean that derisively i mean that's just what people no were doing that, right that now. sounds good to me yeah and um you don't you wouldn't necessarily listen to an album like mesh and lace and hear or see the potential for songs like melt with you coming out of that and and melt with you to me isn't even the best song on on after the snow i mean i like you know i like someone's calling i like uh i, I like after the snow there's tons of good songs on this album There's a big leap there. So was it Hugh Jones then that was kind of responsible for helping you blossom into more of a, an act that can write catchy songs for the radio? Absolutely. And mm. uh, But it wasn't just Hugh. I mean, you know, we didn't want to do exactly the same kind of album again. We were, we've never been one of those bands that, you know, just carries on with the same sound all the time. Yeah. We definitely want to do something different to Mesh and Lace, even though... I'll say this here and now. Mesh and Lace is still my favourite modern English album. Is it album. really? Interesting. Yeah. It is, because it was us young and just yeah. energetic and, and very full of life and, you know, angry and all the sort of things that matter to you when you're about, you know, 20 years old. I still like that because it's all us and we did it all in two weeks' time. Oh, wow. You know, and we were, you know, rattling film cans and screaming down the mic. It's great. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean... Hugh Jones had a lot to do with kind of mellowing us out and showing us the craft of songwriting, really, which is, we were after doing it. We wanted to do it. We wanted to use acoustic guitars, flutes and strings. So we were ready for that. Is there a moment on Mesh and Lace that you're particularly proud of? Uh, 16 days I really like.
I like the fact that it's sort of, you know, it's just this big kind of epic intro. That, that's the track we're actually rattling film cans into the microphones <laughs> really? and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you listen carefully, you can hear, because that was tape. It was all tape back then. It was, you know, wow. no digital stuff. It was all analog and audio, you know. So you can hear a, a cut in the tape just as the drums come in. As the drums come piling in on 16 days, you can hear the edit if you listen. Mm. And um, I, I just really like that track. I think it's um, it's got a lot of energy in it and um, a lot of power. That's great. It is such a good song, or such a good album and song. But again, it's just it's a far cry from sort of where you would what you would become. One thing, yeah, I've I know, been, it's true. Yeah, one thing I've always been curious about too is the break in "Melt with You." The the humming. Where did that come from? Whose idea was that? Because that's one of those little sprinkles of magic that elevate a song beyond just being a good song to being a more memorable song. I mean that that that's something that Hugh would have would have angled for. Really? Because I would never have thought of doing anything. I'd have screamed him. That <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he would have just said, "Well, he, I remember him." Maybe he said, "Do a, he might have even said do a whistling thing in there," you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I probably said no to that. I said no to quite a few of the things he asked me to do, actually. Really. But I, on this one, it he said try the humming, and, and I tried it, and it just sounded brilliant. So, yeah, yeah, it did. You know, we went with that. What is? <laughs> what's your deal with mesh and lace? Why is why do you have an album called that, and then why does it appear in the lyrics of "Melt with You"? What? Why? Yeah, that, that's good. Well, mesh and lace is just basically good and bad, hmm. you know, up and down, black and white, cold and hot. It's just just a way of um, expressing those words, but differently, you know. And mesh and lace also it's got a feeling of hardness to it, and you know, with with the mesh, and the lace is very soft. So, mm -hmm. you know, the two sides to people maybe. Okay. Um, and we, we recorded a track called Mesh and Lace for the album, which we never never put on the album, on on, on the album Mesh and Lace. Oh, really? And that's got, the, you know, and that's why I put the lyrics in, uh, you know, on I Melt With You, because it means, you know, good and bad, right and wrong. Okay. And I wanted to get a nod to the to the old album as well, because yeah. we'd, we'd gone into this sort of almost commercial mode with that track, but I wanted to acknowledge the history of the band, so that's why I put that in there, really. Mm, I've always wondered, like, what the tie back to that was. Okay, cool. Um, now, let me ask you, you know, we try to cover sensitively the business side of things on this podcast, uh, and as sensitively as possible, and I have to believe that uh, you've led a fairly comfortable life thanks to the success and the continuous use of Melt With You after all these years. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's what I figured. And so uh, I guess my question is, when did that start to happen? Because that was, you know, that song was a great song and it was in Valley Girl, which you probably got paid for, I'm guessing. And But it only reached, I think, like 76 or 78 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was never the hit that people thought it was. Right. I mean, it was played a lot on the radio. It was played on import, first of all, for, into America. Mm. That had never happened before. It was played as a 12-inch import on really? mainstream radio, and then it just wildfire. It just caught a light. Other stations picked up on it. But it was never never released at that point. Then all the record companies in America were kind of after our signature. But the money doesn't always come straight in, you know. Yeah. I mean, it does take it takes a couple right. of years to go through the system before you... You know, and plus we were 
we were spending a lot of money back then in the 80s on, you know, lavish lifestyles and, mm-hmm. and you know, big buses to travel around in and five-star hotels, you know. So mm-hmm. it's actually only been in the last two to three years that we've really, really started to notice, you know, really big royalty checks. And really? also, yeah, we've, we've just recently got our... Um, yeah, the publishing rights for the first two albums back for Mesh and Lace and Arthur no the Snow. Way. Huh. So we've we've managed to cut some really good deals for ourselves with those, and um, we're very comfortable. I, I Melt with You has always helped us with that, yeah. and we're able to record and write the music we want these days because of it, which is it's kind of important to huh. us. Yeah, that's that's the reason I asked that question is because I think. Um, my, my assumption, like for instance, I had, um, Kimberly Rue on here from, from, uh, Katrina and the Waves and he wrote Walking on Sunshine, obviously. And that song is continued to get used all, used all the time. It's made him a lot of money, but there, it wasn't always that way. You know, there, there's a point where you continue, it's just another song that's getting played on the radio and every album, every single, you have your hopes and dreams are wrapped so heavily in the success of of this piece of this creation that you're putting out there. But then eventually when you realize that this song is taking on a life of its own and can, can, can sustain you financially, maybe your, maybe your goals change or your, 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 what challenges you, what motivates you changes. And so that's why I wondered when exactly it became that melt with you was going to take care of you for a while and free you up to do whatever else it was you wanted to do. I mean, we didn't know anything about those sort of things. We were just a band, you know, going around touring all over the world. You know, we had a song that did really well, but we didn't we didn't really understand the mechanics of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we just kept writing music and kept writing songs. We didn't we never really tried, except for Hands Across the Sea, really, from Ricochet Days. Mm-hmm. never really tried to write another I Melt With You, it was, you know, really very difficult to do that. Ink and Paper on the Stop Start album is written by a, a songwriting team, and I think they tried to remake I Melt With You with that track, ah. but it's not something we ever did, because we, we really couldn't do that, we wouldn't be able to do that. We don't really write songs like I Melt With You so often, yeah, you know? we, yeah. we, we write different things, really. Yeah, um, that's so interesting you say that, because... One of the questions I had for you is, I've always felt like Blue Waves off of Ricochet Days sounds a little bit like uh, Melt With You too. He 
water Did it fall from out the sky I've never known a feeling like it I wonder why I wondered if that was you guys sort of, you know, going back to the same, not, and I don't mean this negatively, going back to that well, like, well, these are the things that worked and that song was great. Let's see if we can kind of change up some of those things and put out a new song. I love that song, Blue Waves. Um, but well, I wondered if well, that's Rick, what the thinking was. Well, Ricochet, <laughs> Ricochet Days was the album after After the Snow. Mm -hmm. Those songs were on there, you know, Blue Waves and, and uh, Hands Across the Sea. So, I mean, Hugh Jones, I think, with that album, because we did the album with him, mm -hmm. as well as After the Snow, we carried on with him into Ricochet Days. I think he was trying to up up the ante a little bit. Mm. I think he, you know, he wanted to make that album more musical than After the Snow was. Mm -hmm. So, although you get a song like Blue Waves, which sounds as immediate, say, as I Melt With You, if you listen to the music on it, it's got a lot of different oh, music definitely. on it. Definitely. And the and the beats on something like Chapter Twelve was mm. was really intricate. I mean. Mm -hmm. did try and make it much more musical than After the Snow, and I think that's his downfall, personally. Mm. I think it, it lost its sort of immediacy by being too too musical, mm. if, if it makes sense. But, yeah. I mean, Blue Waves, is you know, we definitely write in that kind of way. We'll, you know, we'll write songs that sound quite commercial, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's not easy just to go back and, and rewrite a song. Like it's, in fact, it's pretty dull thing for a band to do boring sure, really sure no yeah i don't i wouldn't say it's a rewrite i just wondered if it was like um uh kind of just going back to what made you successful trying those things in a new way i uh you know speaking of which i've always been curious what what even was the next single off of after the snow after you know they put uh, melt with you out someone's there someone's calling i think was it someone's okay. calling yeah i think so 
that's my favorite song on that album. So that's good. That yeah, we're doing sense. we're doing someone's calling on the on the tour coming up. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah, we're playing when we come to Denver. I think we're playing the Oriental Theatre. Yes, I'm hoping to be there. The, <laughs> yeah, on the 9th of August, I think, and we'll be playing you know tracks from quite a lot of the albums, but mainly from Meshanation After the Snow. Okay. And off our last album, Take Me to the Trees. Yes, yes. It's my favorite song off that album is Something Is Going On. Not sure exactly what it is. And I don't know what to do. There's something going on. And I don't know what to say. There's a change in atmosphere There's something going on around here Don't know what it is 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 There's something Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. It's got, it's kind of a little bit of, it's got some funk to it or something. I just yeah, really yeah, like that yeah. Too. Yeah, it's a lot more. Um, it's got much more of a beat to it, a, yes. a groove to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Tell me about your. Do you have a history with the Alarm and Gene Loves? I mean, you guys all sort of came up at the same time. I would imagine your paths have crossed many times over the years. I don't know. Yeah, well, Gene Loves Jezebel were on um, Situation 2 record label, which is in the same office as 4AD, Mm. which is the label we were on. So we used to see a lot of them. I remember meeting them in the offices and talking to them in the very early days. Um, The Alarm, we've done concerts with before. We played in Manila in the Philippines with them a few years ago. Mm. Mm. And we played with them in America back in the 80s as well. I mean, Mike Peters is, is the one who who was interested in us working with him on this tour. Oh, you know, he, nice. He got in touch and said, you know, I think it'd be really good if we could do a tour together. So yeah. we had a chat about it and thought, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Uh, he's the best. I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago. I, I love yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, Such he's a nice guy. guy, actually. Good. One thing I wanted to ask you about specifically is if the song, if Melt With You becomes too much of like a, you know, an anchor around your neck, does it ever feel, do you ever feel like, you know, we did a lot of great stuff. That was just one song. No one's paying attention to anything else, or at least not enough. Not as much as we would like them to. Is there a blessing and a curse aspect to a song like that? I don't have a problem with it. I, okay. I really don't. I mean, uh, you know, I suppose I should should have a problem with it. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You know, but I don't. I don't. When you see a crowd react the way they do to that song and... I can't. You can't not not like that, really. Sure. And I do think it's a really good song. I think it glides along. Mm-hmm. It's got a really nice sort of. It reminds me a little bit of the birds or something. You know the mm. way the guitars sort of crashing on the chorus mm. and the lyrics. I think are really good. Um, yeah, I, I've got. Not, I haven't got a problem with it. It'd be really, yeah, it'd be brilliant if people 
listen to Black Houses of, you know, Mesh and Lace, which yeah. again, we're going to be playing on this tour, Good. and said, wow, this is an amazing piece of art. That's what we'd love to hear that, you know. <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna like I melt with you. I'm, I'm not gonna complain because it's been, it's been fantastic for us. Yeah. Okay. Why, why did you guys re-record melt for Pillow Lips? Moving forwards, using all my breath. Making love to you was never second best. I saw the world crashing all around your face. Because the record company boss insisted on it. Really? <laughs> yeah. I wondered about that. Okay. CVT, Stephen Gottlieb, he said, I'll give you a contract if you re-record it. And we thought, well, you know, it was never a hit. In fact, it got higher up. It did. The CVT recording got one, one place higher, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought we'd try again just to see if we could get it higher up the chart. But, and we didn't know what to do with it, so we recorded it exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. We basically ripped ourselves off. Right. Yeah, I wondered what the, I, I assumed the the motivation was label induced, but yeah, I was curious yeah, was, if, the, yeah. if he was just, was that his, was his thinking like, well, we want to, we need like a Trojan horse to really push this new album and redoing your old song is going to be the best way to do that? Yeah, I think he just thought he could get a hit out of it. That he, he realized, you know, they did all his research, I suppose. Yeah. And he saw there hadn't been a top 20 hit. He probably thought he could get it into the charts but oh. <clears throat> you know it's funny because on spotify and all those kind of streaming services that that version is being played more than the after the snow version really <laughs> yeah which i find really strange that is strange oh my gosh wow um yeah i've always wondered what the thinking behind all of that was 
similarly, you mentioned Ink and Paper earlier from the Stop Start album. an official video for that one that song sounds very poppy i wouldn't say yeah. that it's not um what you might think of when you think of a modern english but there isn't a there is a video i mean that must have been there must have been some expectations when that came out that this is going to be our first single and this is going to be the thing that pushes this album where when things like when ink and paper specifically comes out are you are your you know are you is there huge hopes and dreams behind this tune what what kind of feelings are going on behind the scenes it depends who it is i mean at, at this point in our career we're really busy the, all the time you know we, mm. we don't have time to think about anything mm. we go in and do a video the record company's putting the record out this is going to happen that's going to happen you get ready for that but you don't you know i don't think you're really putting you know, you don't, you're not going to cry if it doesn't work kind mm. of thing, but you you want it to work. Yeah. With Ink and Paper, for instance, we didn't even write the song. They got mm. they were so desperate to have a hit. Yeah. That, that I don't think they thought we could write one. Mm. So they got this writing team in to do it. Yeah. So, you know, we invariably hardly ever play that song because we never wrote it. Right. <laughs> right. You know, we had to play it on some of the 80s package because... You know, they insist on it. But yeah. if we have our own shows, we never play it, ever. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Who Now, coming up, you you guys were from Colchester, and you obviously came up sort of in that late 70s. I The British alternative rock of this era is just my absolute favorite. That's my sweet spot. Yeah, that's that's the period for me. Post-punk yeah. is it. And now every other band's trying to sound like it again, aren't oh, they? Oh, they sure are. Yeah. Who were some of the who were your comrades at the time? Who were some of the bands that you were playing with or you know rubbing shoulders with that we might know? Well, all of them. Really? You know, you, yeah. I mean, everybody. I mean, you know, Wire were a big favorite mm, of ours. Nice. The band Wire, yes. Joy Division. You know, yeah. obviously a massive influence. They were one of the biggest bands around at that time. Yeah. Um, they were, you know, they were they were brilliant. Yeah. Um, Oh, just everybody, Echo and the Bunny, Million Tears, yeah. Explodes, you know, The Cure, you name it. it okay. were, we were all playing the same venues at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Man, I that you every name you just mentioned, I just, my heart skips a beat. I just think about how much I love all you guys and how much I wish I had been there at that time. Um, I wanted to ask you. It was a very, very special time. It really I, was. I believe it. And the just the creativity and all the good stuff that came yeah. out from of all you guys. I was thinking specifically, you know, in the last few months, we've lost a couple of my all-time favorite people, like Ranking Roger. Did you know Ranking Roger at all? 
No, I mean, he they, they were from Birmingham, the original English beat. Yeah. Or the beat then, you know, right. when when Dave Wakeling and Rankin Roger were, were together. You know, I, they were in a different part of the country, so... And their their scene was different as well. They were more on the scar sort of scene with the specials and bands like that, whereas our music was more the kind of post-punk thing. So they were on different bills. We wouldn't be on the same bill mm-hmm. as them. Whereas now you will be like, for instance, we're playing with English Beat in Los Angeles mm-hmm. at the Microsoft Theatre on a big sort of 80s bill. Wow. And, you know, Dave Wakeling, I've got to know him recently. He's a really nice guy, so yeah. I'll see him. I'm sure he'll be very upset okay. about what's happened to Ranking Roger. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, you know, I was thinking, Ranking, I, uh, Roger, thankfully I got to interview a few years ago for the show, and I just love him. And then another one was Mark Hollis. Did you Were you friendly at all with Talk Talk, or were they sort of on their own island doing something different? Well, they were from South End, in the same, which is a, a town not far from Colchester. They were from Essex. Oh. But again, we didn't, you know, is it, you know, I think Mick Conroy, our bass player, one of his favourite albums, the Eden album. You know yeah, that. Yeah. That's Mick loves that album. Um, yeah. But we didn't we didn't see them too much. They came to one of our parties in New York once, I remember. But we didn't. They weren't really around us that much. Not as much as the sort of other bands. Mm. I think Talk Talk were a little bit more kind of different to the post punk scene as well. Really. Mm-hmm. They were a little bit different to that. But you know, we'd have been sort of more rubbing shoulders with bands like Wire and Joy Division, things like that, you yeah. know, that kind of area. Okay. Can you remember, can you tell us a story? Can you, is there a, is there a conversation or an interaction or even just a, a moment from those days that sticks out in your mind as being especially interesting or funny or whatever that you could share with us? Well, I do remember being on tour in the States and it was the first tour we'd ever done and we were playing all the down and dirty clubs all over the States. <laughs> And I actually fell through the stage. You I did? Went, yeah, I went right through the stage. It was a wooden stage, right through up to my neck. And then all of a sudden, I was looking at the crowd. Like, <laughs> my neck, I was, literally, my head was sticking up above the above the, the hole in the stage. And my feet were hanging down, you know, like I couldn't, feet, I couldn't reach the ground. And I was really in a bit of a bad way. And I was looking at this guy looking at me right in the face. He was literally uh-huh. at the front of the stage. And I was going, can you fucking get me out of here, man? I'm stuck. <laughs> You know, that was pretty crazy. I've never fallen through. I've fallen off a stage, but not through one. Right. (laughs) That's great. Who were some of the bands that you guys were playing with back then? You know, were you on? uh, Did you go out on other with other four AD artists specifically? Yeah, we did. We were. You know, we played with the Cocteau. We did a tour with the Cocteau Twins. Yeah. And um, we played with you know Nick Cave before. The birthday party when he was yeah. in the birthday party. Okay. All the you know all the different four AD bands: Wolfgang Press, Mass. Oh, Wolfgang yeah, Press. We, Where'd they go? The Wolfgang Press, are, you know, you may well see them again in the future. I'm not oh. sure. We did a gig recently in London where a couple of the guys from the Wolfgang Press played, you know, played supported us. Huh. So there's still that big four AD scene thing yeah. where people, you know, there's websites, uh, yeah. you know, there were people. Fans really adore it still. I mean, the Cocteau Twins are loved by a lot of people. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 4AD thing, you know, it's still looked at as being an important label, like Factory Records and Mute, mm-hmm. I suppose, as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I I was trying to think in getting ready to talk to you, I would think that Melt With You is probably the biggest success 4AD has ever had. Do you know if that's true or not? I think we were the busy. I think Modern English was the biggest selling act ever on... 
four AD Beggar's Banquet mm. until the Pixies put their yeah. best of album out. Okay. And I think when the Pixies put their best of album out, they outsold us then. Yeah. I okay. think. I mean, I don't know too much about that stuff. That, but no, we've I... just gone platinum, by the way. Did you really? After all this yeah, time? About, <laughs> yeah, about two years ago, or 18 months ago, we went platinum, yeah. Yes, nice. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I, I love, you know, 4AD were so formidable back then. All the, the sound that they were creating from bands like you was so different and so kind of ethereal and beautiful, yeah. and, but also noisy. And um, I've always wondered if they were... You were obviously the right fit for them, but I wondered if they were the right label f to take a band like you to the next level. You know, they seem to do well with those sort of indie sounding bands, but could they get someone like you on the pop charts? You know what I mean? No, no, uh -huh. they did try. I mean, you know, they were a great label. The, the uh -huh. best thing about 4AD was Ivo Watts Russell, who owned it back then. He he would let you do what you wanted. He would just leave you alone and, and try and help you, but not influence you at all. It was brilliant for that. Okay. But no, they couldn't really do that too too well. And when we started getting very, very popular in America, that's when we signed directly to Sire in America, mm. Sire Records. Okay. And Ivo realized that he couldn't compete, really, yeah. and that we changed as a band and as well you know and, and he didn't mind letting us go we didn't mind leaving and he didn't mind letting us go it was probably the worst thing we ever did really really because yeah looking back at it we we just joined everybody else in the mainstream really yeah. which is not really whatever we were ever about no um so i think we probably made a bad career move there uh, when you uh signed with sire was seymour stein involved directly yeah. with you at all was he oh yeah seymour he used to come over to london at dinner with us talk to us you know tell us how he thought we were like going to be the next big Depeche Mode and all this yeah. sort of thing how much he thought I was like Dave Garn he would always go on about really? <laughs> yeah he's a character Mr. Seymour Stein I, I don't know if he's even still alive but he was a character yeah I think he is because I think he wrote a book I think he put out a book a yeah. couple of years ago about his career yeah I um I was interviewing uh, Dave Shelzel, who's the lead singer of the Ocean Blue, and they were a sire oh, yeah. band in the late eighties. <clears throat> and uh, I and we were talking about how you know if Seymour believes in you, he really puts his whole heart and soul and muscle behind you, even if it means you know it's not going to work out commercially because he just believes in what you're doing so well. And he had a lot, he took a lot of bands like you kind of under his wing at that time. I mean, you know? he, he, he signed everybody. Yeah. I mean, he literally signed everybody. I remember, you know, we were on the same label as, God, everybody was on that label. I mean, yeah. we were doing, even, you know, someone like Madonna was on it yeah. back in the day. I was, do, I was doing interviews in the same room as Madonna in <laughs> 1984 or whatever it was, you know, I mean. <laughs> Oh, that's wild. That is wild. Yeah. When you sit back and you look back at your career and, you know, I don't, I don't know where you're located. Do you live in London now? No, I've, I'm, I've moved from, I've got a place in London still, but I live at the beach in England in a little county called Suffolk on nice. the East Coast. Okay. I've got a house there and I've got a house in Thailand in Southeast Asia as well on the tropical island. Really? Uh, Why so, Thailand? Because yeah, of the weather. Really? You love it there? <laughs> I like the sunshine and, and it's yeah. I like the food and the culture as well and it's just nice not to wear lots of clothes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, now, I don't know about you. Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you, or is it just you? I'm married. I got recently married about two or three years ago. We don't have children. Okay. We've just got a dog recently. Okay. And um, I'm, set, I'm settling right down now. I never thought I would, but I have. <laughs> but I'm happy. Very happy. Got Good. a lovely wife. Good. Do you have it on a schedule? Like you spend summers in England and winters in Thailand? Or how does it exactly work? Exactly that. Really? Exactly okay. that. Yeah, okay. we spend from April to about November, December in Europe and then we go out to our house in Thailand for the horrible months of December, January, and February. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, uh, I, I ask these things because I want to illustrate what having a song like Melt With You can, can provide yeah, to some people. Absolutely. You know I mean? yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we got $90,000 for the Burger King ad, but I was going to ask um, you about that. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. And at the time, the keyboard player was vegetarian. Really? Well, that was really, really funny. <laughs> when I told him how much money he was going to get, he didn't mind, though. He yeah, didn't right. complain too much. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever been, uh, has anyone ever come to you wanting to use one of your songs somewhere that you was just too weird and you said no? I think once there was a wind-up bunny, electric bunny oh. that wanted to sing I Melt With You. I think we said no to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably for the best. Oh, that's great. One other thing I was curious about, at this point, you know, so you guys put out the new album, um, just, was that 2017? 20, Take Me to the Trees? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Take Me to the Trees, 2017. It's the first modern English album for many years, and it's really the first modern English album since probably... Uh, the financial stability of Melt With You. And I was curious, I'm, I, whenever I have someone like you on here, I'm always curious if the success of a, the financial success of a song like that, is it ever a demotivator to continue to strive to create and write and record new music? No, because it's so old. It's such really? a long time ago, you know. It, it doesn't really enter your mind about anything like that. When You, you know, when you're writing songs... 2016 2015 getting ready to do a new album it's the furthest away from your mind really okay it's the first time we've done a crowdfunding thing though that was yeah. crowdfunded with pledge you know how'd that go i've heard good and bad things about that well pledge has gone bust since then the guy yeah. ran off with all the money didn't he yeah that's what i heard i mean yeah. it was really bad uh, i mean i was quite surprised because when we looked at doing it i couldn't believe there was no legislation on you know about it mm -hmm. because you were asking fans to send you money just to help you record your album, which is a nice idea, but, you know, I just thought, well, how do you know that that's what it's going to? Yeah, how, yeah. how does the fans know that these people at Pledge Music weren't just pocketing the money, which they didn't do for us, but they certainly did for a lot of other artists. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were lucky we managed to get our album out. We didn't have any hiccups. We got Vaughn Oliver doing the original artwork from mm -hmm. who did the artwork back in the day on you know oh, Mesh and Lace and awesome. After the Snow. Cool. So we had a lot of good times with Pledge Music, but you know recently they've you know completely gone down the pan. Yeah. So yeah, how do what are the specifics of that? Does all the crowdfunding money like go into an account and you just have like a slush fund? Here's fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Use it however you're going to use it to create your album. I mean, you could literally just take the money and put it in your pocket like the guy who ran the bloody thing did. Right, right. I mean, you could do that, but we didn't. We put it yeah. towards all the things we said we were going to do, like right. record an album. Right. But this guy ran off with the money in the end of the, you know. The, at one point, they, were, they probably had, I don't know, 30 acts. I mean, Paul McCartney was on there yeah. at one point. Yeah. So it wasn't a small thing anymore. No, 
No. Yeah, that was becoming a big kind of the wave of the future. And then uh, he kind of had to go and ruin it, didn't he? I mean, yeah, people I are going to be trepidatious to try that from now on, you know? Yeah, you're going to be watching your back, aren't you? Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's still the way people do it. I mean, it changes so quickly now what you do with music. Mm -hmm. And it's so different to back in the 80s when you had record companies that financed you. Yeah. It's just a whole It's like little, every band's a little cottage industry these yeah. days. Yeah. What is your, what do you miss most about those days? Because Modern English uh, had a good career, but you were never like the top of the heap. You know what I mean? The yeah. hottest band in the land. But you had, you maintained this great career and put out good music. What, what's your favorite, what do you miss most about those days? Hmm. What do I miss most about those days would probably just be the excitement of it. Mm, really? You know, the kind of adrenaline rush of everything that, you know, getting news that this was happening, that was happening, you know, you're going to fly here, you're going to fly there, being chased down the road in limos by girls, you know, things like that. <laughs> Women were always a big thing around that time. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose you miss being younger. That was uh, very yeah. exciting for a band. Yeah. Um, if this is too personal, you can tell me, did, were, were drugs a big issue in modern English? Was it ever a problem for you? No, well, there was lots of drugs around. I mean, it was a yeah. day of, you know, the days of cocaine. Of course. You know, cocaine was prolific back then in the 80s. I mean, drugs were, yeah, we used to take drugs, definitely. I sure. mean, um, yeah, they, they, I wouldn't ever say we were. You never you know, had to go to rehab or anything like that? Not me personally. Okay, okay good, good. <laughs> I'm just curious. Somebody else in know. the band might have something mm, Got it. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, they were heady days for everybody at that time, you know, budgets. Yeah, I think, so I think what, what what happens is you don't realize how it's going to affect you till later. Yeah, yeah. I think when you're young and in the moment, you don't really think about anything because you're so busy and you're just in such a buzz, a rush about everything. Yeah. I think it's later in life it can take its toll on people. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Does seem to be that way for sure. When you go on tour now, are there favorite spots? Do you? What's your What's your process? I mean, you guys are going to go out on this tour. It's going to last a, I don't know, I think a month and a half or two. It's thirty five concerts. Is it really? Oh my! Yeah, gosh. it's the biggest tour we've done for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Wow. So what? You know what? Uh, What's the good and bad of this? Is there, when you think, you think, oh, there's this restaurant in San Francisco that's my favorite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is it stuff like that? Or there's, you know, there's a, there's a girl in Des Moines that I always liked back in the day. What, what are your, what's your thoughts when you go on a tour like this? My first thought is, help. <laughs> <laughs> that's my first thought about this tour is I'm going to be 10 gigs in thinking, we're just a, not even a third of the way through the tour. Yeah. Normally 10 gigs in and we're at least halfway or something like that. Right. So I'm a bit worried about it physically and mentally, but I, li I like a lot of places in America because it's so beautiful, the country. We get, we're get we lucky as, as tourists, really, as people from the UK to travel around, you know, the, all everything in your country. Yeah. I mean, the differences are incredible from florida in the south all the way up to utah and uh -huh. there's just like different countries really yeah. and that's exciting to be in a van driving through these amazing landscapes the scenery in america is, is staggering you know yeah yeah um and the difference in the people between say you in colorado there across to california or yeah. down to new jersey that everyone so far or, or alabama yeah. tennessee this 
so different. So yeah. there's always a always something interesting to see in America. Yeah. Do you have a, and I don't mean you don't have to call anything out as being a favorite town or whatever, but do you have a favorite thing to do when you're on tour? Was I mean, is there like a restaurant or I like getting big gulps from the truck stops? What is it? What, you know, is there a thing that you like to do or look forward to most? Um, we like getting Thai food and, and, and stuff that's really? not a hamburger every now and again. <laughs> you know, nice. we, we, we're quite skinny little English blokes uh -huh. still, so, so sometimes your food's too big for us. Yeah, I could see that. That's So, oh, so we go, we, we do like to go and get some Asian food, like Japanese food and, and yeah. Thai food and, and stuff like that, but not really. I mean, we're so busy. I mean, yeah, when we get okay. time off, we're generally either sleeping or... Yeah recuperating you know yeah do you um do you like to do you listen to a lot of music do you listen to podcasts do you read books do you paint do you write what do you do on tour i like, I like movies i like to watch mm -hmm. uh, a lot of movies and i like, also like to watch and um, you know box sets and stuff like that you can't yeah. it's very difficult to read in in the van actually oh, it's not the that. easiest thing to do okay um, watching a movie is a lot easier and listen to music you can always listen to music you know people there'll be music on constantly in the front of the sure, van sure so there'll be different sorts of music coming towards the back all the time. Okay. Do you have some uh, some standards you always go back to? What like if you were to what are what is what are you going to listen to most, Robbie Gray? Well, there's a band at the moment I really like called Fontaines DC. Hmm. I don't know them. They're from they're from Dublin. Um, okay. They're a really they're a bit post punk. They're a bit angular. They do sound like they might have just walked out of 1980. Really. Uh, maybe that's why I like them. They take me back to that time. They're really, yeah. really good. And the guy just sort of reads a poetry almost over the top. Huh. They're called Fontaines DC. They're, okay. they're really good. Okay. Um, bands like The Idols are a punk band from Bristol in England. Mm. They're, they're quite cutting edge. Do um, you still listen to punk? Is that kind of where your heart not, is? I like the Pistols still. The sure, Sex Pistols sure. will always, always be, have a place in my heart. Um, yeah. Um, I don't really listen to much. I like listen to Bach, actually. Really? You know, classical music. Yeah. yeah. But I don't really go out of my way to listen to music that much, I must admit. I'm a big yeah. soccer fan. Ah. Um, I'm into my sport. I really like sport. Okay. Um, our girls beat your girls the other day. I'm did, afraid. You, have to, you didn't have to bring that up, did you? <laughs> I'll tell you what, you don't bring up your men's football to soccer no, too much, do you? Because they don't win anything. No, we don't. The only, the only reason you like the women is because they're winners. That's right. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> if, they were losing, if they were losing every week, I wouldn't hear a word about that's it. That's so true. Oh, yeah, the women are the saving grace. Plus, i got to tell you, I, uh, I was on Twitter and... Uh, I'm sorry. I, 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 it was a I good hope... game, actually. You, you were lucky to win that. We were, and we didn't even have our best player, or the you know our most standout player. But um, I, uh, I, I, I maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I have issues with Pierce Morgan. The guy kind of rubs right. me the wrong way, and uh, he was oh, he's an idiot. He's oh, thank idiot. you. Okay, good. I, I wasn't sure if you were like, no, he's my guy. I love Pierce. Morgan. No, not at all. So he on Twitter was making some, th you know, as he often does, pro-Trump, anti-girls uh, soccer statements. We're going to crush you guys. And then we won. And so yeah. I actually am not that emotionally invested in soccer, except that I was so glad that we got to shove it in Pierce Morgan's face. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I thought it was interesting what the... The, the girl player, the captain who was, you know, always having a go about Trump. I thought that was really yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
she was not into Trump at all, is she, that lady? No. Um, yeah, anyone who's not into Trump is kind of on my team as far as I'm yeah, concerned same these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, oh, I had a question for you. Now I'm blanking on what it was. Um, You're just still oh. thinking about your women winning the World Cup. <laughs> I kind of am, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I remember what it was. You know, uh, talking about the past and everything, you must have, have you been able to have a sort of any interactions with any of your heroes over the years? I don't know if you're a big... Maybe Johnny Rotten's your guy. Maybe Bowie's your guy. Maybe Mark Boland's your guy. Did you ever, Ray Davies, did you ever get to interact with any of these people? Well, the first three you mentioned there, they'd all be my guys. Definitely Bowie was Bowie was the king. You know, yeah. no doubt about that. He was the king of our generation. Yeah. You know, when you grew up as a kid in, in England, everything was black and white back then. Yeah. Every, there was no money. Everyone was poor. You know, it was bad. Yeah. And Bowie was this colourful thing that came on your TV set. And, I mean, he was... I loved... David Bowie was brilliant. You know, yeah. Mark Boland as well. And the, and Johnny Rotten, the Sex Pistols, John Lydon, fantastic, you know. Yeah. But I've never never met any of them as, as idols. Mm. I, I didn't really have any idols like that. Okay. Um, okay. But they were all fantastic artists, though. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered if, you know, you guys were playing uh, on the same bill as some of these guys or met at a party or in a studio no, no, or if whatever. I was, if I was to meet an idol, it would be George Best, who played football or soccer for Manchester United. Really? Or Ryan Giggs, who played soccer for Manchester United. So that's they, what Robbie Grayson is. Okay, interesting. Wow. All right. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah. Well, look, so uh, this tour, again, just to kind of push it one more time for everybody, you guys... Gene Loves Jezebel, The Alarm, three of my very favorite bands. Um, what was the motivation then to go on a long tour like this? Did it just make sense? Was there a financial uh, kind of compulsion? What? Why do this to yourselves at this stage? Did it just sound fun? Yeah, it did. I think I think because of the, the, the nature of the three bands, the time we all came from, and the thought that we could probably pull quite big crowds with the three bands all together... Uh -huh. and we wouldn't be doing like a retro thing yeah. like you know it'd be like us showing what we can do still you know rather than putting it under a banner of an 80s tour or something like that we're just going out and playing our music um i think that's what the attraction was sure you probably uh it's probably got to be freeing for you to be able to go out and not do the 20 minutes and the four songs yeah. everyone knows and to go a little deeper and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? I mean, we'll be playing things like 16 days, black houses after the snow tables turning. Yeah. So early singles, swans on glass and get, you know, swans on glass gathering dust yeah. as well as tracks from we'll play trees and we'll play moonbeam from the new album. So we get to play our stuff, you know, yeah. as well as I melt with you and hands across the sea. Good. Good. Were there ever lean times? I mean, we talked about, you know, the financial yeah. stability that Melt With You has given you, but it wasn't always that way. Were there, back when I saw you around 2000, I think that was around the time of the, I think the Burger King commercial was a, maybe even a little bit before that. I'm trying to remember, but there had, yeah, but were they, there like lean when, periods? Yeah, that the period you saw us play in Salt Lake City, that was lean. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, the, the 90s, the 90s and the early, early 2000s. Uh -huh. They were definitely lean, lean periods. Yeah, you know, not very enjoyable. Not doing much work. It was difficult to keep going during that time. What did, have you always had to, or been able to make a living as a musician, or did you have to go do something else during that time? 
I was in another band for a while called The Help Engine. Oh. I worked at MTV as a VJ for a while in London. Really? Yeah, I did some other bits and pieces, but it was Mick Conroy, the bass player, the original bass player who got the band, the original band all back together about 10 years ago. Oh, and okay. then Steve Walker, the keyboard player, Gary McDowell, the guitarist. We all yep. we all started rehearsing again. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Um, you being a V, I don't, I, you know, I forget who the VJs are in other countries. Did you interact with Paul King very much? Yeah. Yeah. He where'd was he, on the same time as me. Yeah. Where'd he go? I've been trying to find I'm him. Not, I don't know. I've no yeah. idea. You know, oh, okay. He was still wearing the same colored Dr. Martins and, <laughs> you know. He was quite professional, actually. He was a lot more professional than me. Doing really? It. He was very, he, he was, I think he had a full-time job at that time doing uh, that. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, those must have been good days. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, look, I, uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to be able to tell you that I love you for a very long time. In fact, well, I, very much for you that. Bet. I remember, uh, this, I just had this memory while we were talking. It, in uh, Again, uh, I went to college in Provo, Utah, which is just south of Salt Lake City. And I remember on New Year's Day in 1995, they were counting the alternative radio station, which is huge in Utah. Utah has a big alternative, uh, especially British alternative kind of scene there. They were counting down the top 100 uh, alternative rock songs of all time. And I just stayed on my bed all day and listened to all 100 songs. And number one, <laughs> I, it was such a, I, you know, I was in college. I didn't have anything else going on. So I laid there and listened. And uh, Melt With You was number one. And I, wow. yeah, I remember that. And uh, I mean, th look, I, I, I'm sure, as I said, I, I'm, I'm sure you love Melt With You and you're grateful for it. I want you to know that I love you for more than just that, okay? I want you to know that I, there's more to the modern English story that uh, that I appreciate than just this one song. So thanks for all the good stuff you've put out into the world. Uh, thanks very much. It's good to hear that. Thank you very much. Absolutely. There you have it, Robbie Gray. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really, really love that conversation. I always love to get to know people's thoughts on their music, but I really thought this was enjoyable to get to know Robbie as a guy. You know, he's kind of a mellow guy, but then when he was opening up about soccer and his football heroes and the food that he likes and stuff like that, I just felt like you really get to know Robbie in a way that you might not have otherwise. So anyway, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. And once again... Uh, the Alarm, Modern English, and Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel kicking off their North America tour this week. Go on any of the band's social media pages or websites or whatever. See if that tour, if, if their show is hitting your town. And if it is, go, because I'm sure it's going to be epic. I'm planning on going when they come to Denver in August. Uh, now, I want to close it out with one of my favorite Modern English songs. This is the title track off of the third album, Ricochet World. It's great. And again, if all you know is Melt With You, please explore more. Especially those first three albums. I mean, they're, they all have good things on them. The new one is great, too. But those first three, to really kind of get a feel for what Modern English is all about. Uh, now, I had mentioned in a previous episode that the next few weeks we're going to be British artists. We had to move some things around. This is all a giant puzzle, let me tell you. So next week we are here. We're going completely the other way. And we are talking to one of the gods of 80s hair metal. Okay? And when I say gods, I mean literally. He's one of the most beautiful men that's ever lived. I probably just gave away who it is. Okay? So I hope you will come back and enjoy that conversation. Because I love this guy. And I'm sure you do too. 
Uh, huge thanks, as always, to Jan the Man Makevich uh, for everything that you do. Thank you, buddy. By the way, I believe there should be a bonus episode coming out later this week. And if, if all goes according to plan, it will be me and Noel Fogelman from the Reliving My Youth podcast counting down our top 10, I believe, or top... Maybe it's 20 through 11 90s movie soundtrack songs. Okay? So that's coming. I believe that's coming later this week, and I'll put it in my feed. Or you can get it in his feed if you subscribe to Reliving My Youth. Okay? Love you all. Oh, Facebook, you know how to find us on there. Email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. So long, everybody. Oh.